Welcome to The God Solution, a place where we discuss solid evidence for the Christian faith and interviews with leading Christian apologists. Each week, you'll be encouraged in your faith and equipped to defend it and share it in your daily life. You can find out more about The God Solution at godsolutionshow.com. Now, here's your host, Nate Herbst. Welcome to The God Solution Show, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I am thrilled that you're tuned back in this week. Well, I hope you caught last week's replay of the interview with Dr. Michael Brown. I replayed that interview for a specific reason. That's that I wanted to talk this week about how we as Christians can reach out to the homosexual community and how we as Christians can view certain social issues going on right now from a Christian perspective. This is definitely a social apologetics issue, and as Christians that want to share our faith and study apologetics, we should really know our stuff when it comes to this issue. If you don't want your kids to be hearing this conversation, now would be a good time to put them in a different room or something like that, but I encourage you to make this discussion something that happens in your home. A lot of people in society right now are talking about this issue, and unfortunately, they're not hearing a biblical perspective on it. If you missed the interview with Dr. Michael Brown, please go to godsolutionshow.com and check out the interview. And definitely go to Amazon or wherever you buy books and get Dr. Michael Brown's books on this issue. He has written so far, A Queer Thing Happened to America, Can You Be Gay and Christian?, and, most recently, Outlasting the Gay Revolution. All three are good, and they will inform you on how, as Christians, we should respond to this issue, and they'll give you a lot of information on how you can better reach people in that domain with the love of Christ. He does a great job in those books, and I would encourage you to get those books. That being said, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what's coming in the coming weeks, We're going to be interviewing Dr. John Lennox next week, amazing apologist from Oxford. It's going to be a great interview. You don't want to miss it. Shortly after that, we're going to be interviewing Dr. Fuzz Rana of Reasons to Believe. He is a biochemist, and we're going to be talking to him about the impossibility of evolution. It'll be incredible. After that, we're going to be talking with someone from Voice of the Martyrs about what Christians around this world are experiencing It'll be a great interview, and as we think about sharing our faith and being apologists in this dark nation, I think it'll be encouraging to know that people in other countries are facing far more persecution than we ever could here. Finally, after that, we're going to be interviewing one of my favorites, Dr. Gary Habermas, again, it'll be great, about the evidence for the resurrection. Well, that's what's coming up. This week, I wanted to come back, like I said, to the topic of homosexuality, and talk a little bit about how we as Christians can interact in our society with people that have very different opinions than ourselves about this issue. I think, unfortunately, we've seen two ends of the spectrum that are wrong. A lot of Christians have either doubled down and gotten incredibly angry and frustrated and even intolerant, to use a societal word. They've become maybe even angry towards gays and lesbians and outspoken about their vitriol against them. On the flip side of the coin, we've seen a lot of other Christians doing something that's just as wrong, and that's endorsing it all and saying, well, the Bible's fine with homosexuality. It's not. The Bible says that this is really a sin. 
that this really is harmful for people. So as Christians, how can we strike that biblical middle ground and reach out to those that are different than us with a perspective of Christ's love? That's something I really want to talk about today. In Mark 12, 29 through 31, Jesus says that the greatest commandments are first to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and second, to love our neighbor as ourself. And that's where this really has to begin. We have to begin with a sense of compassion for those that are lost, whatever they're lost in. I think God's heart beats for those people. He loves those people. He's patient, not willing that they would perish, and he desires that they would all be saved. 1 Timothy 2.4. He wants to reach them with his love, and I hope that we would be driven by the same perspective. That doesn't just mean that we endorse anything and everything and pretend that it's all okay, but it means that we start with the perspective of compassion and love. A lot of people in this lifestyle, will look at it a little bit in a minute, but they don't feel they chose this. It's not like they woke up one day and said, hey, I want to be gay. They... I don't believe we're born this way, but at the same time, there were certain different features, whether they're genetic predispositions or things that happened to them while they were growing up, abuse or things like that. There are definitely causes that cause them to feel certain ways, and they really have faced a lot of rejection in society and, and even a lot of rejection from Christians, and that's sad. So as we approach these people, we need to approach with real Christ-like love. That's different than tolerance. Tolerating someone is pretty much worthless. Loving someone like Christ loves them is important. So let's really begin with a context of love. And as we begin with love, I want to talk about loving God first. See, if we love God, we're going to really believe that his word is true and that everything in his word is written for our good. When God says that this lifestyle is wrong, he says that for our own good. He doesn't say it to ruin our fun or anything like that. As Christians, we need to stand on that truth. God says this is wrong, not because he's intolerant or uncaring. He says it's wrong because he loves us and wants our good, and he knows that this lifestyle is bad for us. I'll share some statistics in a minute that show how dangerous this is for people. But what we got to remember is that God gives us his commands, because he loves us and wants our good. So we need to love him and believe that he really is true and that his word is right. We can't second-guess him. So we begin by loving God first with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and not backing down on the truth of his word. This lifestyle really is dangerous for people, and that should motivate us out of love to share the truth in love with people. This lifestyle hurts individuals, for example, the life expectancy for a 20-year-old gay man is 8 to 20 years shorter than for his heterosexual counterparts. The CDC says the life expectancy for smokers is reduced by about 10 years compared to non-smokers. So we're talking about a lifestyle that's statistically nearly twice as dangerous as smoking. If I love someone, I will tell them that I love them too much to let these things that hurt them continue to hurt them. This lifestyle hurts families. The statistics for children that grow up in fatherless homes and the people that they turn out to be are just devastating. And the reality is that when we take the father out of the home, whether through these alternative lifestyles or any other means, really bad things happen. 
This also hurts society. Dr. Brown references numerous studies of how a society's progress and health is directly proportional to its observance of sexual standards. The reality is that God tells us certain things for our good, and when he says this is wrong, it's for our good. As Christians, we need to love God and honor God and trust his word over everything that our society is telling us. And we need to know that God didn't just say this to say it. He said it for our own good. See, as Christians, we need to love God, believe that his word is true, and then walk that out ourselves and extend that to others in a hopeful way. We need to love those that are different than us, and part of loving them involves sharing the gospel with them. The gospel's clear, and unfortunately, far too few Christians are sharing the good news with those around them. The Bible tells us that God loves each and every one of us, and that includes people that are gays and lesbians, transgenders, and so many others. God loves them dearly. The Bible also says that our sin separates us from a perfect God. Now, that's not just homosexuality, but that's all of our sin. That's our human selfishness. I'm as sinful as any of the rest. My pride is just as evil as any of their sin. And the reality is that our sin separates us from a perfect God. The Bible tells us that Jesus, God in human flesh, died the death that we deserved so that all those who put their faith and trust in him could be forgiven and given a life in heaven with him for all of eternity and a life of meaning and purpose here on this planet. That's really good news, and we need to be sharing that with people that are different than us, and even people on the other end of this societal spectrum. That being said, the gospel doesn't end there. The gospel also tells us that, that God will come into our lives, the Holy Spirit will come into our lives at salvation and begin to change us more and more every day into Christ's own nature. And part of that involves saying no to our past. That begins at salvation, but it continues throughout our life. We say no to the things that separated us in the past from God. And we say yes to God and allow him to work in our lives. In Matthew 19, we read about the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and wanted to be saved. Jesus told this man, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and follow me. Unfortunately, the rich young ruler was unwilling to do that because he would not make Christ his Lord. See, we're not all called to sell all that we have and give it to the poor, but we are all called to give up everything and make Christ our Lord. A lot of times people refuse to do that. They say, I'm going to hold on to my issues. Well, you cannot do that and follow Christ. Following Christ entails saying no to ourselves. That's not just for homosexuals. That's for each and every one of us. Each and every one of us has to say no to our past we have to say no to our own way of doing things. And that involves turning and saying yes to Christ. So we extend the hope of the gospel and the reality that anyone who follows Christ must say no to themselves and yes to Christ and follow him. In his power, of course. See, I can't do it on my own. So as we think about loving God and loving others and sharing that good news of salvation with others, wherever they might be, we also are confronted with the reality that we live in an increasingly secular and hostile society. This summer, we saw this gay marriage ruling, which really caught a lot of Christians by surprise in a way. I think we all expected the ruling itself, but the quickness with which our society changed was a surprise. See, marriage has always been equal, 
the lie that we've been told is that marriage equality is something worth fighting for. Well, marriage has always been equal. See, there's never been a time in history where you could not marry someone of the opposite sex. And anyone could marry the opposite sex, and no one could marry the same sex. That's equality. What happened this summer was a change of definition. And now, for the first time ever, marriage isn't equal. Now, certain people get marriage rights based on certain types of relationships, while others do not. So for the first time in history, our society is unequal, and that is not a good thing. But when we say that, we will be hated and persecuted, but that's okay. Jesus said that even when the world hates us and persecutes us, we'll be blessed because of it. Now, there will be a double standard applied to us as Christians. You might remember that recently in Houston, pastors were asked to give their sermon notes to be reviewed by these tolerance committees. <laughs> Photographers and bakers are being forced to violate their convictions in their businesses. And this isn't about serving people. I've not heard of any of them saying they would not serve gay people. That would, of course, be wrong. We should serve all people. What they said is they couldn't participate in a type of activity that went against their belief system. Of course, one of those bakers, Jack Phillips, went to other bakeries and asked to have certain scripture verses printed on cakes, and he was told that they would not do that. The Colorado Civil Rights Commission said that he had to make the cakes that he didn't want to make because they violated his convictions, but said the other bakeries did not have to make his cakes with Bible verses on them. Clear double standard. Of course, nobody's going to call them out on that, at least in our intolerant society. Nobody's going to catch him on it. There are so many other double standards like this. Remember when Mayor Gavin Newsom of San Francisco back in 2004 broke the law by issuing gay marriage certificates, but Kim Davis was put in jail when she refused to do the opposite. Another clear, clear example of the double standard. We will be persecuted for our Christian convictions, and it's already happening, and it's going to get worse and worse. That shouldn't make us angry. We've been told all along that this day would come. As Christians, we need to choose today to be a light for Christ in the context of an increasingly dark world. You'll be persecuted. A recent study even tried to show that those who showed the highest animosity toward homosexuals exhibited a host of warning signs like inability to trust others, passive-aggressive behavior, denial, etc. Eric Metaxas talked about this and said, that the lead researcher, Emmanuel Giannini, concluded after discussing for centuries if homosexuality is to be considered a disease, for the first time we demonstrated that the real disease is homophobia. There you have it. They're going to start saying that you're actually diseased when you want to follow Christ. Metaxas brilliantly noted that all this study showed was that angry people will be more angry towards all sorts of people. It didn't show that Christians or anyone like ourselves were homophobic or aggressive towards those that are different than us. What's really happening right now is there's a minority that's imposing its will on the majority. The most recent CDC statistics state that about 2.3% of the nation consider themselves gay or bisexual. That's less than 1 in 30. But the reality is that that small demographic is now enforcing its behavior and standards on the rest of us. For years, we've been told that we can't shove our views down others' throats. Now, others' views are being shoved down the throats of the majority. 
and those that disagree are being persecuted. How should we respond? We should respond in love, extending the gospel. We should forgive, we should turn the other cheek, and we should extend the gospel, the hope in Christ with a world that desperately needs him. Don't take offense at these things. Christ told us 2,000 years ago that we would be hated by the world. So let's talk about that 2.3% minority of people that consider themselves gay or bisexual. Are they born that way? Well, Billy Graham long ago noted that even if they were born that way, that wouldn't make anything right. There was a gay person that called into Greg Kokel's show once and said, how dare you criticize me? I was born this way. And Kokel responded asking, well, if I was born with a gay bashing gene, would that make gay bashing right? Of course, the man said, not at all. See, how we're born or the predispositions that we're born with don't make those actions right necessarily. In fact, that's one of the biggest dangers of this issue is we're telling people that whatever your impulse is, you cannot be satisfied without working those out and putting them into application. And the reality is that we're telling people, whatever your impulse is, you are born that way and you need to do those things to be happy. Now, of course, our society is going to have a hard time telling other people that other types of impulses are wrong once we've opened the floodgates on these impulses. Each one of us have impulses that need to be reined in. Each one of us have temptations that are wrong. The Bible says that Jesus died on the cross to save us from our own sin and that he empowers us to live a life that honors him. The world, on the flip side of the coin, is saying, do whatever feels right, whether it's this or anything else. Then somehow hoping that people don't do the really bad things that they feel like doing. It's clearly not a healthy way to live as a society. Again, we need to extend Christ and his grace to those people. So is sexual orientation immutable? Of course, that's the argument that we always hear is they were born this way and they can't change. We know that there could be genetic components of this issue, maybe things that lend themselves to feeling certain ways. Of course, homosexuality is not genetic, and that is proven in the literature. There are also upbringing issues, abuse and other things, neglect, that lead to this issue. And the reality is that brain structure is fairly plastic, and it changes with use, and it gets reinforced with use. So the longer certain things are acted on, the more they seem normal and actually become ingrained in our processes and in the way we live. People that, that are gay and lesbians, people in this lifestyle, have real needs that at some point were not met. I think those were desperate needs for a father's love and things like that that were never satisfied. And throughout their life, those come to be met in different types of way that aren't always healthy. Well, is sexual orientation immutable? Of course it's not. I know people that used to be gay that aren't today, so it's not immutable. But Dr. Michael Brown brings up a very curious question in relation to this. If sexual orientation is immutable, why does that same crowd claim that gender is not and that you can be whatever gender you want? See, the thinking here is very convoluted. Sexual orientation cannot be immutable while gender is not immutable. Somehow, 
Something has been missed here. What's really happening is there are real needs that haven't been met, and people are trying to meet those in ways that are often very dangerous for themselves. See, this is not a healthy lifestyle. It is very dangerous. The gay lifestyle has dramatically increased substance abuse rates, psychological issues, suicide, domestic violence, STDs, lowered life expectancy, etc., etc., etc. And numerous cross-cultural studies have shown that this is not related to societal intolerance or homophobia. It's something that is related to a lifestyle that doesn't lead to the health and happiness that it claims to lead to. See, as Christians, we can reach out to people that are in this very hurtful and devastating lifestyle with the love of Christ, knowing that Christ alone offers them spiritual salvation, and he alone offers them the health that they've been looking for, the happiness, the satisfaction they've been looking for in other ways that have been hurting them. So how can we engage different people concerning this issue? If you're like me, you probably are terrified to bring this up in social settings or to be real bold on this issue. So let's talk about how you can engage different people concerning this issue. First of all, I want to say engage yourself on this issue. If you're a Christian and you're wondering how to engage people on this issue, and I hope if you're still listening you are, the reality is that begin with yourself by being committed to standing firm on God's word. So determine today to to be strong on God's truth and unwavering in it. If you've ever dealt with same-sex attraction, don't believe the society's lies that you were born that way and you'll only be fulfilled if you walk that out. Choose today to follow Christ, knowing that only he is the way, the truth, and the life, and you'll only be satisfied in him. Now, as you relate to non-Christians, like I said before, begin with love. Whatever their stance on this issue, begin with love. That really means beginning with the gospel. So whatever their issue, whatever their stance, try not to get detoured by side issues. And this would be a big side issue. Stand strong on the truth, but extend the gospel to those that you talk with first and foremost. Of course, as they ask about this issue, don't back down from the truth, but make sure to communicate with them that you believe God's word is what's best for others and that you're extending that to them in a context of love. For gay non-Christians, share the gospel with them. Focus on the gospel, not on their lifestyle. Talk about that later, but let the gospel be the first thing. Now, of course, there are people that claim to be gay Christians. I would encourage them to read Dr. Brown's book, Can You Be Gay and Christian? The reality is that there's no room for that in Scripture. Each of us comes to Christ and says, You're Lord, not me. It's your way, not mine. That's what we should encourage each Christian to, and that's what we should encourage Christians who claim to be gay to as well. How should you engage other Christians on this topic? Well, if you know Christians that are struggling with homosexuality, and I do, stand with them, walk with them, be there to encourage them, support them, show them the unconditional Christian love that they missed, and help them find the solution to their issues that are far deeper than the sexualization that our society has turned it into. Help them get to the root of their needs for true acceptance and love in Christ. So stand with them. For others that maybe aren't struggling with this issue, 
keep them focused on God's word too. If your Christian friends are beginning to tote the social line that this is all fine, encourage them to go back to God's word and to walk strong in his word and to do that from a context of love. Dr. Brown gives eight principles in his book that I have to just recap here. He says, never compromise, take the moral high ground, so walk in integrity. See, our sexual sin has drastically damaged the image of Christ in this society and paved the way for the degradation of sexual standards in our society. So walk in integrity. He says that sexual purity trumps sexual anarchy every time, and he's right. Refuse to redefine marriage, he says. See, the goals of this movement in our society are far more far-reaching than what they achieved last year. This movement truly wants a genderless society where the family doesn't even exist. So refuse to redefine marriage. God gave us marriage and he gave us families for a very clear purpose and a very clear reason. And he claims that the world will see him through our marriages as we love our spouses the way he loves them. So I would encourage you not to redefine marriage. Dr. Brown continues saying celebrate gender differences, propagate the truth till the lies are dispelled, factor in the God factor. Remember that God will be glorified in our society as we trust him. Love him, seek him, seek him earnestly in prayer. Humble yourself and watch him heal our land. Finally, Dr. Brown says, determined to write the last chapter of the book. As we let him revive us as his church in this nation, he will again awaken our nation to himself. Well, this was kind of a different show, and I hope that it came across the right way. I hope that you sense love and compassion as I talk about this difficult issue. My encouragement to you is to go back to God's word, to share Christ's love with those that are different than us, and at the same time, not to back down from what is true, knowing that God's truth is what's best for all people. You were made for this hour, Dr. Brown said. When he was on the show a couple months ago, and I replayed it again last week, like I said, of course, you can get that at godsolutionshow.com under past shows. I asked him, what would you tell Christians today? And he said, you were made for this hour. Love others and show compassion. Commit to loving them genuinely and sharing Christ with them. Seek them out. Don't just passively sit on the sidelines and hope that nobody brings this issue up. Seek out those that are on that side of the spectrum and love them intentionally. Seek them out and share the gospel with them intentionally. Stand strong on God's word, remembering that it's what's best for us. I would encourage you as a Christian, in 1 Kings 18.21, Elijah's on Mount Carmel, and we read one of the greatest miracles in all the Bible. And Elijah tells the people, if God is God, follow him. And the same is true for us today. If God is God, follow him. There's no room for Christians that choose to deviate and do our own thing. Follow him. Share the gospel. Commit to sexual integrity. Love God and glorify him in your marriage. If you've struggled with same-sex attraction, share your testimony with people that desperately need to hear what God's done in your life. Get educated. Read Dr. Brown's books, Dr. Turk's resources, and others. Guys, the battle is just beginning, but it's time more than ever to share Christ with this world. As the world gets darker, let's let the light shine brighter. Now, if you've been listening today and thinking, I don't 
know what you're talking about. I don't have a relationship with Christ. It really begins with a decision to make Christ Lord, putting your faith and trust in him. If you're ready to do that, you could verbalize that right now. You could confess that with your mouth, saying, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again to give me new life. Please come into my life. Please be my Savior and Lord. The Bible says that if you've put your faith and trust in Christ, you can look forward to a life of meaning and purpose with him on this planet and an eternity with him forever. Go to GodSolutionShow.com to get this show and other resources, to leave comments, to check out local churches you could visit, and so much more. Well, thanks so much for listening. It's been a little bit different than most shows, but I hope that you got a lot out of it, and I hope that you'll share this with friends, and I really hope that you'll be equipped and encouraged to be light for Christ in this dark, dark world. I want to remind you that next week we're going to be interviewing Dr. John Lennox. It's going to be an incredible interview about God's existence and so many other things, and we're going to be having him soon right here in Albuquerque. For those of you in the audience that are in Albuquerque, that'll be February 18th, Thursday night at Woodward 101 at the UNM campus at 7 p.m. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be a great night. He'll be dialoguing with Dr. Boslow. It'll be incredible. Don't miss it. So put it on your calendar. I hope to see you there. Like I always say, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. We'll see you again next week. You've been listening to The God Solution with Nate Herbst. We hope that you were encouraged by what you heard today and are better equipped to share Christ this week. You can get the audio from today's broadcast and all the past God Solution shows at godsolutionshow.com. Thanks for listening and being a part of The God Solution.